Hello, everyone. My name is Lauren Consul, and I'm an attorney here at the New York Prosecutors Training Institute. And I am here today with Professor Emeritus of Western New England University, John Kwasnowski. And we are going to talk about tips for prosecutors in preparing for trial with their crash reconstruction expert. So to get started, John, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? I'm a physicist, and I taught for 31 years at Western New England University. 1985, I got a call from the county prosecutor, and he had just had a state police trooper disqualified by a judge and wanted to know, could I read a reconstruction report and testify about the scientific accuracy? So two ADAs come to my office. The next morning, I go to court and testify and many, many years later, here I am. Well, we're very lucky to have you, and I know that you have consulted on many cases throughout not just New York State, but the nation over the years. So what we're going to talk about today is basically best practices for prosecutors when they're prepping with the reconstructionists. So let's start out with what can the prosecutor do before the pretrial conference with the reconstruction expert to prepare for that conference? Okay, well, I would say... Before the pretrial conference, the prosecutor should go to the scene, and that's a great way to sort of build some camaraderie with the officer. So if the prosecutor can arrange a view of the scene with the police witness, I think it's very important that they view the scene through the witness's eyes. So they essentially, if you have civilian witnesses, they go to the scene with the officer, they stand or sit where the civilian witness was, and they read the civilian witness statement to make sure that the perspective the witness had can justify what's in the statement. And I say that because I don't think it's unusual for people to want to be helpful at a crash scene and sometimes step up and talk about things that they didn't themselves see, but after talking to other people at the scene, they gather information and in their mind, they put it all back together and think they did see that. So uh, I think it prevents a real disappointment at trial when a civilian witness gets challenged and, in fact, doesn't have a perspective to support their statement. So I think that's a big one, to go to the scene, be familiar with the scene. The officer can, of course, make comments about things that he observed at the scene. But I think it's really important to solidify those civilian witness statements so I think that's a big one. The next thing would be, of course, to review the police report. And in doing that, I think it's really important for a prosecutor to identify any assumptions that the expert has made, because those assumptions are going to be strenuously attacked at trial. So I think it's important before the pretrial conference that the prosecutor identifies any assumptions that could be challenged and in fact prepares to talk about that at the pretrial conference. The next thing I think that would be helpful is to get a juror's take on the case itself. So I think it would be helpful to talk to somebody else about the case, maybe somebody in the office who's not familiar with the case, certainly someone who doesn't do motor vehicle cases frequently because they have more of a juror's ear. And I think if you discuss your case with someone who's not familiar with the reconstruction and the methodology, they'll have a lot of the same questions the jurors will have, and I think that gives you good discussion points for when you do have your pretrial conference with your expert. 
And the last thing I think is to get your expert CV because that's going to help you prepare for the qualifying questions. Great, thank you, all great tips. So speaking of qualifying questions, how important are those qualifying questions for the expert, so for you as an expert? Well, I, I think there's a couple things that are important. First of all, as a witness, I like the prosecutor to know the order in which I'm going to want to talk about my qualifications. So quite honestly, I type out my qualifying questions and give them to the prosecutor ahead of time. But I think that's a way that I feel comfortable. I know the pace and I know there won't be anything unexpected or out of place. So I think that might be a good thing to, to sort of emphasize having the officer help with the qualifying questions themselves. I think a lot of prosecutors do not adequately qualify their expert. I think they ask the sort of standard questions, name, rank, serial number, how many years, how many crashes, and then they think that they're so qualified by just the number of crashes they've worked on that the jury will somehow understand their qualifications. And I don't think that's true. I think the witness has to understand why this expert or why this officer is the one who's in the box. Why isn't it just some other officer who picked up the file and read it and they're going to talk to the jury? So I think it's really important in the qualifying questions to identify how unique this witness is for the jury because the jury wants good information. They're being asked to make a decision that will perhaps send someone to prison, and they don't do that lightly. So I think the question I want the jury to answer for themselves is why I'm the one in the box. Why isn't it somebody else? So I think the witness should be identified by the prosecutor as the best person who can help them understand the case. And that involves their training, but it also involves distinguishing them from other police officers. So for example, I live in a very small town. My town has maybe 35 officers. There are only two who are trained in collision reconstruction. So if those two people testified, I think it'd be very important to identify that their training is really unique and they're two of 35 people who could actually be in that box. And I think that's important. And every reconstructionist has that distinguishing feature that out of the entire department, there's a very small percentage of people who can do what the reconstructionist has been trained to do. And the other thing I think it's important in the qualifying is to identify any specialized training that the officer has that would qualify them as the best person to help the jury so that if it's, for example, a pedestrian crash, they can identify if they've had specialized training. And I think when they can do that, it even more distinguishes them from other officers or other potential witnesses. So I think the big thing is, Lauren, why is this witness the one that's in the box? And the prosecutor should be saying, because he or she is the best one to help you with this case. Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, what information can prosecutors provide to their experts about the defense attorney that would be helpful? Well, when I had pre-trial conferences with prosecutors, I wanted to know 
the style that the defense attorney used? Was he a jump up and down and try to bully you type person? Or was he the laid back, quiet, more cerebral type so that I could have an idea of not just what to expect, but how to answer certain questions? I wanted to know, was this person experienced in motor vehicle cases? Because if a defense attorney is really just a criminal defense attorney, but not really doing a lot of motor vehicle cases, they may not have good command of the vocabulary and they may not ask good questions. So that was always important to me. I always wanted to know, are they going to attack the ultimate opinion or are they going to just ask for concessions? I never was concerned about somebody who would attack the opinion because I always felt the reconstruction was very solid. But I was always concerned about concessions because I think that's a very powerful cross-examination technique and I think the prosecutor should prepare the witness better for concessions. I've watched a lot of prosecutors ask good questions in direct and get good answers and then in cross suddenly the demeanor of the witness changes because the defense attorney is asking for concessions. And so I think a favor that the prosecutor could do is to tell the witness, the expert witness, that giving concessions isn't pivotal. It's not going to turn the case upside down. And they should give the concession on the first try and not lose their credibility by fighting off a concession because they're going to give it sooner or later. The other thing I think is I want to know, and I hate to say it this way, but I want to know how far will the defense attorney go to win? Will their questions be devious? Can I trust the questions? Do I have to listen to every single word and suspect some kind of hidden message? Or, you know, are they trustworthy? And I know that's a tough one to answer for a prosecutor, but I think prosecutors know who the ones are that will use dirty tricks. And I think that's something the witness wants to know. How far will the defense attorney go to win? Absolutely. All great points, John. Thank you. How much of the math that you use to reach your opinion should a prosecutor expect and have the expert prepared to show to the jury? The governing rule absolutely is jurors hate math. Sure. The, the <laughs> so bigger do lawyers. rule, most people hate math. So uh, when I teach, prosecutors often say after a break, it's so easy to understand what you're talking about because you don't use any math. And I think if we want to talk to the jury, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to have them understand things, and using math, I think, prevents that. It may cause people to just turn off. So I'd say keep the math to a minimum. When I teach, I always cite the Federal Rule 705 that all the data doesn't have to be given before you can give an opinion. But, of course, it must be available on cross. I know that New York State doesn't have the federal rules, but I suspect that you have some version of that by way of case law so that it's not necessary to state every single piece of data before you give an ultimate opinion. And that may be that can be precluded by a pretrial request by defense that all those numbers have to be stated and a judge would rule on that. But, for example, a simple calculation like speed from skid marks involves distance measurements for the marks themselves. It involves friction measurements multiple times. It then involves averaging measurements or selecting which measurements are going to be used in the ultimate calculation. And then, of course, calculating 
and then truncating the calculation so there aren't any decimal points. And so in something as simple as the speed from skid marks, which looks pretty straightforward, there could be 15 numbers floating around and buried in that someplace is your speed, is your opinion. And so picture a juror's brain with just a swarm of numbers in it, 15 numbers swirling around, and one of them is the one you want them to really hold on to for later for when they talk in the jury room. And then picture a juror who's got only one number in their brain, and that is the speed, and that is the one number you want them to remember. It doesn't take much to figure out that less math is better. I got a call from a Nebraska prosecutor, and he had just prepared with a trooper for a case involving a really tedious momentum calculation. And he said to me, if my trooper talks that way to the jury, they won't understand what he's talking about. And I assured him that they wouldn't, and then I assured him that they won't even listen to all of it. They'll just sort of stop listening. So why can't a police witness talk in plain speak? Why do they talk like a textbook? And I think it's because the only people they've ever heard talk about Reconstruction was their instructors. So they talk the way their instructors talked. But jurors aren't there to learn how to do something or to learn how to do Reconstruction calculations. The jurors are there to just know about it. And so I think it's important to emphasize with the expert that they should tell a story about what they did, but it has to be a story about what they did, not how they did. And I think if officers could understand that the jurors don't want to know how to do anything, and it really isn't impressive to show them how you did things. It really just presents that mathematics to them that they don't like. So I think the rule should be less math is always the best math. Yes, I certainly think that that sounds like a great rule, being that I agree with you. I think that it is a rare individual who loves math, but very important, those <laughs> individuals, as we can see. So with respect to exhibits during testimony and also selecting exhibits that will be used by your reconstruction expert, what are some best practices and some tips for doing that efficiently and effectively? Well, I'll tell you this has happened to me many times. A prosecutor hands me a photograph, and it's numbered, and they say, tell the jury what's depicted in exhibit number 12. And in my mind, I am saying, what the heck do they want me to talk about? There's obviously some evidence on the road that I could talk about. There's damage to a vehicle that I could talk about. There's the roadway itself that I could talk about. There's the orientation of the vehicle at its final rest. And quite honestly, I don't want to not say what the prosecutor wants because it just makes the story longer and longer and longer. And it keeps the prosecutor from sort of directing the testimony. So. When the prosecutor hands me an exhibit and, for example, wants to know about the damage to the vehicle, if they used a little headline like referring to exhibit number 12, can you talk about the damage that the vehicle shows? If they gave me a heads up somehow, it would really be helpful because I think it's an awkward moment. And I could talk about the tire marks and I could talk about final rest position. I could talk about things, but the prosecutor is standing there wanting the information about the damage. So why don't they just ask me about it rather than a general question? So I think that can all be facilitated by preparing with the exhibits when you have your pretrial conference. 
I think the prosecutor should go over the exhibits, including which photographs will be exhibits, and I think the expert should absolutely help in selecting those, and how they'll be used, what the emphasis will be on each exhibit. And I think the prosecutor has to trust that if the witness wants a certain exhibit rather than one that the prosecutor would have selected, that's really the one to pick because the witness is the one that's going to talk about it. And I think an important type exhibit is exhibits that show measurements being made. So exhibits that show how something is being done make it very easy for the witness to explain how they did something and not use just language. I mean, the goal is to have all 12 jurors have the same picture of what you're doing, whether it's making a measurement, whether it's giving an opinion, whether it's describing the damage. It's always for the jurors, all 12 of them or six of them, to all have the same picture. Why not show them a picture? I always talk to prosecutors and police about having a portfolio of pictures that show measurements being made, whether it's just something like a tape measure or a rolling wheel or whether it's a cord middle ordinate measurement on a yaw mark, have pictures to help the jury understand how the measurements were being made. So I think having the experts select the exhibits is really important, and then having the exhibits to make the picture complete so that the jurors don't come away with 12 different pictures in their minds. All very good tips. Thank you all for joining us, and please tune in and look out for your email alert for part two of this interview, where John will discuss additional tips for working with your reconstruction expert and also additional investigative activities that may strengthen your case. So please tune in with us next time. Thanks so much.